Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail. We're mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. My name is Gary Ware, and I am your host. Today on the show, I have Ricky Gonzalez. Ricky is a special guest. He's a young professional. He is a videographer. He's a musician. He graduated from the Berkeley School of Music. He once shot a music video and toured with OK Go, shot a documentary in Africa. He's done so many cool things, and I am so delighted to have him on the show. Welcome to the show, Ricky. Ah, oh, Thank you very much, Gary. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So I don't even know where to start. There's so much stuff, but how about we start from the beginning? Um, now you're doing video, but you went to school for music. Uh, can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? What were your aspirations and dreams? And then we'll talk about how you pivoted. Yeah. So, um, my dream growing up was to be a, a rock guitar player in a band. I wanted to tour the world and do all the things that come with that kind of lifestyle. And, uh, funnily enough, while I was growing up, uh, the internet was kind of taking, like kind of gaining a lot of momentum. It was becoming a household item for everyone. Um, and with that came Napster, which of course destroyed the music industry or not destroyed, but it, it revolutionized, made some changes, which is, you know, to the, to the benefit, I think at this point to the music industry, but, uh, finding a career in the music industry is, is, you know, a one in a million, it's a luck type thing. So what I went to school for was uh, music business and my whole dream going into that school after dreaming for years, like, oh, I wanted to go to the Berkeley school of music. That's the place where everyone gets, goes and gets famous because John Mayer and all these other people have gone there. So. So uh, my intention was I'll study the music business and get the business side simultaneously trying to become this rock guitar player. So I get there and I'm studying and uh, what all of my teachers there are kind of telling me is that there's not really um, a tried and true way to get up in the music industry. There's no more, um, there's no more selling of music to get a huge amount of income. Now it's more based on tour and live performance and stuff. And even so, it's even if you do get it to the point where you're doing tours, you know you're look, you're not going to be making like an income for your f future family. So yeah. um, all these things in mind, um, I'm you know kind of just sifting through my legal classes and all this other stuff. And uh, I I remember I needed a summer job. I wanted to stay in Boston, and uh, my 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 summer was completely open. So I decided to take to apply for a couple of jobs. And so I took to Craigslist looking for literally everything. And at the time, I think, um, I was messing with cameras a little bit. I had bought like a power shot, like a Canon, like crappy, or I got from Christmas, like a point and shoot or whatever, something that everyone has, you know, and, um, taking photos. Like I, like I'm the most professional dude ever, but obviously I didn't know a damn thing. So, um, I found on Craigslist an ad for, uh, an, or an opening for an Apple position in this, in one of the stores apply, go through all the things. It's like a really big learning experience as part of like my first job interview while I was in college and something I was like going to shape my summer, you know, and that was like a valuable summer. Like when you're 19 and you're looking for stuff to do and kind of make a spot for yourself. So in Boston, 19, looking for a job. Apply to Apple, go through the interview process. Doesn't work out. Don't get the job. So I spend two weeks, like pretty, like upset that like I'm not. My summer's gonna look so boring compared to everyone else's who was doing like internships at Sony or you know doing all these crazy things. Um, so I, you know, I'm scouring Craigslist, which is like one of the best sources for anything, literally anything. But jobs specifically, there's a lot of connections to be made. Um, but anyway, so I look on Craigslist and there's a posting for. Um, 
what looked to be like just a general internship, a media internship for anybody. It was like really well written. It was the the idea was that you wouldn't get paid, but you would be able to utilize the company materials, any of the gear and stuff like that on the weekends or on your off time. So that alone was kind of inspiring to me because everyone that I like, I I love music. That's my passion. I would love to be a part of the music industry one day. And I was noticing that bands like OK Go bands um, uh, are using the video platform to, in, instead of a record sale these days. It's like that's kind of how you build your audience is you use video to your advantage. And so going to school with like all of these amazing musicians, every single one of the musicians at Berkeley is incredibly talented. Uh, they all deserve to be shot. So I, I felt very lucky that I got I had this huge wealth of audience, like people I could shoot and easily get people to watch because like who, who doesn't want to see like an 18-year-old just shred on a mandolin, you know? Like it's so easy, you know? It, it was just gold for me and I was just very blessed to to have that in my uh, in my scope. So anyways, uh, this mentor, I show up to this coffee shop where after I applied to the Craigslist ad, they just, I guess they threw a pretty wide net because I show up and there's like 10 kids there that were super interested in being a part of this program no one even knew about. It was like a super generic Craigslist ad. Like if I had shown it to you today, Gary, you would be like, this is the, this is like, why would you ever respond? This doesn't make any sense. Anyways, uh, show up, there's like 10 kids there and it's just this guy, um, this guy Nadim Mazin. Uh, uh, giving a presentation on his Apple laptop in this coffee shop about this company that he's dreaming about. And so the company is he, that he's pitching, which doesn't even really exist. At, at the time, I didn't know this, but the, the company didn't exactly exist. But he was you know, saying like he's got connections to the NFL industry, to bands, for music videos, all this incredible sounding stuff. So I guess the, the other nine kids uh, decided that that was a, a hoax of some kind, a scam. Because like two days later, when he had the second meeting, I literally was the only kid that showed up. So I show up in uh, this my uh, mentor's or my future mentor, Nadim Mazin, his office, which at the time was the Squatch Coach's office at MIT. Um, found out so Nadim Mazin is a MIT graduate. He, uh, I believe, studied artificial intelligence and biomechanical engineering. Um, so just a, a genius, straight up. He went to the Phillips Academy in Massachusetts. He was just an absolute, the highest level genius, and he was just really cool. Like he just he had a great eye for design, and he wanted. I could see that he like wanted to pass some knowledge along to somebody. It could be anybody. So I show up and he introduces this camera to me. And it's important that this, that this camera is this exact camera. It's a Canon 5D, which is like a, um, a game-changing, democratizing video camera. And it started off as a photo camera and it kind of led the way for people that didn't have much money to get into the kind of like the film and cinema style shooting. So um, he had one of these cameras and introduced it to me and he, he broke it down exactly like I just said. He was like, this is a game changer and like this is gonna change your life. And I was at the time like, this looks like every other camera, how can it be any different? So I, I think like the, the first moment I was like, oh man, this is like a moment is he, he shot, the first day he shot a picture of me on his green screen. And like he just built, he just he actually had me assemble the green screen. It was such a ghetto, such a weird thing happening in the squash coach's office in the back of the squash coaches, the squash uh, matches or whatever happening uh, at at MIT. And I was at going to Berkeley, which is a great school too. But MIT obviously is like a world famous institution. So I knew this guy was special, and he had me. So he had me building this green screen, and I had no idea what I was doing. I knew green screens were somehow related or whatever, but. Shoots a picture of me and shows it to me, and it's it's when you see an image of yourself shot on a camera that's you know really high end. There's like something different, like you've never seen before. You just see yourself in a 
completely new light, or at least I did. I just saw something completely different. It was really strange. And I think my reaction to that photo is kind of what I wanted to give to everyone else. You know, I wanted to show people like, you know, yourself on like a film camera looks totally different than you could ever really imagine. So, um, yeah, really interesting moment. And so showed up and then from that day I was kind of like the only guy that just kept showing up every single day because he didn't have much else to do and he wanted to pass on this information and I was like the kid without a job this summer. So I was like, I'm going to bike to Cambridge every single day and just hang out with this guy and hopefully he'll teach me something every day. Cool. So before we go on, so many lessons that just came out of that short story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Uh, that was a little bit long winded. No, no. It, this is great, but I want to break it down uh, for our audience here. You, I, I think one of the good takeaways here is you didn't judge a book by its cover. Right. <laughs> you saw a generic yeah, ad. <laughs> yeah. You came in and you took a chance. Yeah, Because you're, you're right. That might just seem like some sort of hoax. But super sketchy. Uh, what about his presentation had, you know, had you mesmerized and came back, made you want to come back the next day? Because you said you were the like one of the only people that came back. Yeah, uh, I think the the again, the overarching thing was that he was like, he was like, you can definitely take home the camera and use it for whatever you want as long as you, you know you're putting in work for us. So like, you know, all these clients are cool and stuff. But if your end goal is just to like get camera time and learn the equipment, then more power to you. And at, at, I went into that mostly with the idea that I would get something out of it. Even if it's not payment, it's learning about a piece of equipment that I knew was going to open doors. So I, I know coming out of that meeting, like I went to a friend's house and I was like, he's going to let me use his 5D. It's going to be so sweet. We're going to shoot all these weird things. And, you know, it's probably that. But other than that, it was just, he seemed like a super honest person. And like, he really wanted, I could tell he's just like one of those guys that wants to like share information always. So that's great. And so what exactly was the internship uh so you're helping him out but what was his deal what was he doing so his uh his outlook was like he needs somebody to help and it was super generic actually and you know i can't even really answer that question (laughs) which is so funny to me like i didn't even know what i was going to be doing but yeah he just he was just like it's a job in the media industry and they'll be doing all this other stuff and then on the and then randomly on the side he was like oh there's also like a little portion of like research of education research that we'll need to do like He's also a, a very he's he was at the time like teaching a lot of classes and stuff so he wanted to like help build a university I don't know it was something okay. weird so yeah so it didn't seem like it definitely wasn't manual labor or anything yeah. like that but I knew that it was going to be something off the beaten path that I wasn't used to which that's, was inter- which was exciting that's great and yeah. so let, let's fast forward a little bit yeah. um, how did this translate into um, you know, connecting with OK Go. Like, how did you use this as a springboard to your next adventure? Absolutely. So, uh, Nadim at the time at MIT, uh, OK Go. So, six months before I met Nadim, uh, OK Go had a, call, a casting call essentially for MIT engineers to build the Rube Goldberg machine that later went on to make that one video that's got 100 million views right now. So, it's like yeah. a, you know, the uh, mousetrap essentially. Yeah. So they put out an ad for, they wanted 60 MIT engineers. And my boss was like, well, I don't want to, or Nadim, he was like, I, I would love to be a part of that, but I don't want to move to LA for six months and be part of this ultra tedious thing. However, I do, I would love to work with you guys in the future. So he kept those channels open. And, uh, right when I got hired, uh, he was like, Nadim kind of was mentioning that, yeah, there's a possibility. Okay, go. We'll come in and shoot this video idea that I've had for a long time. And the idea was stop motion animation on pieces of white bread. 
using a laser cutter that etches kind of like in a toast-like way onto the bread and then you take a photo of the slice of bread and you play it back and you know after 4,000 slices of bread you got a four-minute video for a song so I think uh, right before I had started working there he had pitched this idea to OK Go and uh, it was just kind of in the air in the clouds like in the ether it was a possibility and like literally three weeks after I started at this internship, just showing up every day to the Cambridge office and, you know, doing like nonsense. Like even if that day I didn't learn anything from the actual gear or from something applicable, I would learn a life lesson from Nadim. So that's what kind of kept me going every day. But after three weeks, um, uh, OKO called Nadim and said straight up, hey, we're going to be there on Friday. Samsung is going to come as well. And uh, we're going to figure out a way to make this music video happen. So. That Friday, we're in a meeting trying to figure out how we're going to make this music video happen. Um, Samsung at the time was releasing a new camera called the NX100, which was a uh, just another point and shoot, nothing nothing special. But um, uh, they were releasing this product, which they had brought with them to the meeting. And so I, at the time, I was picking it up and learning about it and just fidgeting. And uh, my, meanwhile, the lawyers and Samsung and all that, they're all having conversations based on you know, how they're going to execute the release of this video, which included a microsite and all these different marketing tools built in for the pre-release. So, and I heard all those meetings so that I was listening to like this super high-level marketing campaign uh, planning at, like, for free. Like, I didn't have to take a class on it. And I was, you know, it was coming in and I was like understanding, oh, that's a good idea, that's a good idea. Which now I realize is like, that's the ultimate education. Like, if I wasn't in that one meeting, I wouldn't have gotten like a two-year degree of marketing, you know? So Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you're <laughs> learning on the fly. All learning on the fly, exactly. So um, after that meeting, uh, the next, like literally the next day, I come into work at like 8 a.m. because they're still having all these um, discussions about how the video is going to get made. So the DM asked me to come in at 8, and I come in, and he asked me, there's a point to this, trust me. Yeah. He uh, um, comes in, he's asked me like, hey, I need to talk to you for a second. There's a there's something that Samsung would like to ask you. I just want to prep you for this. And so the question was pretty much, uh, Samsung would like to use you in a commercial, and they would like to have you be a, uh, oh, hold on, whoops. Uh, essentially, they, they wanted to use my image in a series of commercials for the new camera, just because they had seen me playing with it the day before and they liked kind of the look or whatever and i was much younger and much cleaner shaven so <laughs> they, they must have loved that awesome and uh so yeah so that an hour later they asked me hey would you like to go on tour with okay go simultaneously shooting a commercial for this camera and at the time i didn't know anything about cameras really i didn't like i wasn't planning to start a career in video and um i didn't know okay go so i had never been on tour before although that was a dream so it was funny that like I, my dream of touring came in like a completely different offshoot of a way. I ended up on tour with OK Go, which was like a, not my original plan. I would love to have been the guitar player there, but I still got the, kind of the experience. And anyway, so months over span of three months, we shot these commercials and tour was great. And I learned so much from the people shooting me using the camera, like the people shooting the commercial of me using the camera. They were the ones that act, that really taught me a lot about how to shoot commercials and videography work. So I'm getting this like intense training on videography at the highest level combined with marketing plans and campaigns and stuff and um, all for free. And I, and then at the end of it, I had a series of commercials saying that I'm this badass photographer, videographer that shoots for OK Go who I'd never met up until that point. So even if it's not, you know, hundred percent true, I could still use those materials on my resume and say, Hey, look, this is what I did. And, they say that I'm a great photographer and they shot this commercial of me and 
That's... It was so funny at the time because it was just like my mom was just like, "Hey, you're not a videographer, dude. What are you doing? This is like completely <laughs> different. You should be playing guitar, focusing on that. That's why I'm paying for school." Yeah, and so, so you're still in school at this point, right? Yeah, at the, yeah, this whole time I'm still. So the summer had pretty much ended. Now I'm like battling with my teachers, like telling them, "Hey, I'm on this tour. Like, I'm trust me. Like, I'm I'm learning exactly what you're teaching, just in a different way." And the teachers at Berkeley are super um, used to that because a lot of students will leave Berkeley and go on tour for like three months at a time with like Rihanna or whoever. That that stuff happens frequently there, so it's like it's kind of an interesting environment. Definitely very different. Wow. And would you say? None of this would have happened if you would have, if you wouldn't have just given in and just said yes. Oh, a hundred percent. There, if I hadn't, if I hadn't just like ignored all the, all the the, the warning signs saying like this is a scam, this is not going to work, this is a waste of your time, then I would not be sitting here right now talking to you in Southern California. Wow, that's that crazy. Uh, all right, so before we go into more of your journey, we yeah. take a quick second. Uh, to ask you what you're drinking, because it wouldn't be a breakthrough cocktail podcast without discussing what we're drinking. No, so, I wish I wish I had a cocktail, but right now I'm drinking uh, Powerade Zero, and awesome. that's because a coworker put it in the fridge. And uh, I've also got a summer edition Red Bull here. It's a nice. citrus flavor. It's fantastic. Try it right now at 7-Eleven. I'm not sponsoring this, but yeah. it's, it's wonderful. It's all good. I am drinking a cocktail, and this that's amazing. This is one of the first cocktails on breakthrough cocktail so this is breakthrough right here what is uh, it? this is uh just uh captain morgan it's um the captain's edition dark rum okay and what is special about this one is i have one of those um cylinder type cube ice cubes oh that is rad yeah and the they oversized melt, ones yeah they melt slower than regular ice cubes so yeah, it doesn't yeah. water down the drink oh that's amazing that's how you want to drink the yes. special edition. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly. And um, are you familiar with uh, Scott Belsky, I believe his name is? No, um, Scott Belsky. Yeah, he's the CEO of uh, Behance. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. And I subscribe to his quarterly box. Uh, oh, radical. And this was in the most recent quarterly box. And so it's an excuse to try out these cool oh, ice cubes. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Definitely a man that you should take advice from. Yeah, sure. no, exactly. He's a smart dude. Uh, so, all right, but back to you. All right, moving on. So, yeah. Okay, go. You're on tour. You learned a lot, and you're trying to, you know, focus and stay, um, uh, you know, stay focused on school. How much more school did you have at this point? At that point, I had uh, maybe two years, and like, it's very strange to like come off of like a tour bus and then like into a classroom with like people who are like dying to be in that exact position. So it was it was bizarre. It was completely bizarre because like I felt. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like a feeling of like I'm wasting my time here. It was just like, oh man, I can't wait to get out of here. And yeah. so because of that, I did uh, a, my four year degree. I did it in three years so I could get out faster, so I could start doing extra stuff because I already knew that my career that I was building was actually being built outside of school, not so much inside school. But I still everything I learned at Berkeley, unbelievable has has led me to do amazing things. So gotcha. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, did you know that you wanted to? do a lot with video or were you still thinking that music was going to be the avenue even even to this day i would say like i still think music will be the ends is the the, like video is my means and the end is on a stage with a guitar playing to a thousand people you know so it's so it's weird and i i mean i'm not sure if that'll ever happen but you know along the way at least i'll be making a living and you know surviving yeah. as opposed to uh, you know what millions of musicians around the world are struggling with which is just they you can't sell your music so you have to be on tour 
and you can't afford tour unless you're selling your music and it's yeah but at least you here know. you're making money and yeah. you're still playing music yeah and you can afford to live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so that's a win-win. Yeah. So um, you you went to Africa and you shot a documentary. Did yeah. that happen while you were in school or did that happen after? That happened the August, right, like a month after I graduated. So um, I had a friend who was developing a clothing line in Africa uh, based on paying uh, livable wages to people in the slums of Kenya, specifically Kenya. Uh, Kibera is the name of the slum uh, in, in Kenya. That's the largest it's homes to people guess between 500,000 to 3 million people. They can't really guess. So um, it's, it's, the conditions are about as bad as it gets. And so I had a friend that was really had some funding and was able to uh, make an operation happen out there and start paying people livable wages just to make clothing and um, everything from t-shirts to necklaces and bags. So he brought me along for the ride and we spent uh, six weeks just shooting amazing, beautiful footage of beautiful people just smiling, even though their lives are, you know, it's yeah. it's very troublesome. Um, so, what did you what did you learn being on that? Because I can imagine it being shell shock, uh, you know, going from you know America and then you know going to oh, seas yeah. and and so were there any lessons or anything that you learned on that trip? Absolutely, I, I think um, there's like two sets of lessons. There was like the professional videographer lessons of like shooting a documentary for the first, that was my first documentary. I had no idea why he trusted me to do this. It, it ended up being pretty good, but it, my first documentary, I like shooting interviews that all of that series of learning that was like immense. I, that stuff, you know, you, you'd spend 10 years in film school to learn. And I did it in six weeks. And, uh, then there's like the life lesson stuff. And that's like, um, just how lucky I think the thing I walked out most with just how lucky I am. And, how opportunities are not the same everywhere. And I should really value every single opportunity that ever comes up, not take it for granted or, you know, dismiss it at the earliest, you know, sign of trepidation. So um, definitely a learning experience and, you know, learning to appreciate what we all have. Oh, know, great. Very intense. Um, That's a crazy way to learn it too. That's yeah. and face first. The one of the good things, one of the things I really love about you and your, your adventure is you're just going with the flow. <laughs> Someone yeah, said, hey, 100%. shoot a documentary. All right. Uh, yeah, all right. If, if that's what you want me to do, yeah. Yeah. That's it, it. It, so what was that like, you know, just not having that skill set? Um, were you just trying things out? And can you talk about maybe some of the failures that um, that you, like, learned from and then helped you tweak it along the Absolutely. way? Yeah, so um, I went in with the idea that I was going to capture everything I saw and then uh, and then do a lot of the story making in the edit, which is like a totally great way to do it. That's how a lot of people do it. However, you want to go in with the, the full scope of the idea and with kind of like a, a, a plot line, but it's really, really hard to do that, uh, not knowing what you're going into. However, what I think I learned and um, what continues to affect me is that Interviews and talking to people while they're on camera is is such a skill that has to be honed, and just to make somebody feel very comfortable on camera is so much harder than you could ever imagine. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine, especially in those conditions. There's so many things going oh, on, and there's people that are on camera they have never even seen a camera before in that documentary, and it's like that's that's insane to me. It's crazy. Wow. But um, yeah, and I think just you know knowing the full scope of everything before you go in, and that's hard to say but that's what you want to be able to tell the story tr truthfully and correctly yeah and so what was the editing like once you got all the footage and then you came back and you're just trying to put the story together well yeah i mean the the edit is like 
that was insane because your your whole goal is to tell the story in a light that is uh, going to do justice to the full gravity of the millions of people that are just completely disenfranchised and in a slum. You know, you that's you know that's a challenge that like no one should really ever have to deal with. But um, you know, you try in the edit, you just try to make it as true to life as possible. Cool. Yeah. And then how did it, how did it all turn out? You said it wasn't too bad. Did you guys submit it to any um, film festivals? No, we ended up, we released it digitally um, and it had a marketing campaign tied to it for the launch of the clothing label, which is called Ministry of Tomorrow. And they uh, are still around. They're in San Francisco and they continue to make beautiful products. And you can go there today at ministryoftomorrow.com and check out all their stuff. Um, and then from, from there, it was like, when I came back, that was... Uh, I just learned so much, so it was like a good three months of just editing and, and looking at footage and trying to really understand where the story is. You have to watch everything over again, which is a traumatic experience. Definitely watching every single moment over again from the comfort of your home is equally as uh, challenging as it is being there, definitely. Gotcha. Um, and so after you got back, you've recently graduated, you shot yeah. this documentary, you know, then what? So after that, I, um, my connections uh, from all the bands I'd worked with, right before I left for Kenya, I had worked with this band called Bad Rabbits. Uh, Bad Rabbits is a Boston band who recently have gone completely national. They played Kimmel live. They just got off their second Warped Tour that they've done. They've toured millions of times. They just put out a, uh, an acoustic album. Um, I don't know. They're just incredible. They, they essentially uh, gave me my start in music video making. So they allowed me to come in and shoot a cover series for them uh, in between going to Africa and after Africa, um, where I just got to shoot live performances in a studio, which was my, which I knew was my bread and butter. So that series ended up being really, really well. Uh, people loved it, essentially. And it, I don't know if it was exactly for my video skills. It was probably mostly because the music was so great. But it was just a great relationship for yeah. both of us. And um, because of that, I got, uh, I got asked to, do, to, to direct and produce a music video, um, a fully animated music video using 3D animations for this band called Art Decade. And they were good buddies of mine. They're still around. They put out amazing music. Um, and so I took that. Oh, so I'm sorry. Let me backtrack a little bit. So uh, right after Africa, I had spent six weeks in New York working uh, for a team to make an animated music video for the RZA, part of the Wu-Tang Clan. Wow. Yeah, so that was that itself was pretty gnarly, and I'd never worked on uh, never worked on animations before, other than the OK Go stuff, which is stop motion, a little bit different. So this this whole industry of like animated uh, music videos and animated movies, animated anything is so in, it's a whole other universe that I was like dying to get into, and um, so I I signed up to be I, just a production assistant on this animated music video for the Wu Tang Clan. Uh, that went really well. I came back to Boston, and then I immediately was asked pretty much to do this, and I made a music video. And so at the time, the Wu-Tang uh, project had just wrapped up, so all those animators like who I'd just become great friends with um, were not out of jobs, but they were looking for the next big thing. So I hired three of those guys and brought them onto the Art Decade project, and we, we made a video using uh, entire, the, uh, the iPad entirely to animate. So the entire video from start to finish uses uh, all iPad uh, illustrations, which is like a huge challenge again. Yeah. And um, from that, we got a little bit of traction from uh, Mashable.com, and so my name kind of got out there that way. And yeah, so after after Africa, I launched straight into animated music videos and uh, producing um, studio videos for for bands, just like live production, one take. You know, really hard to do stuff for bands that aren't practiced. But because I had Berkeley and a couple other resources, I was able to find 
just incredible talent in Boston. And, and, t- and Boston itself is an immensely talented city. It's, it's crazy. Awesome. And yeah. so before we take our break and jump into the lightning round. Yeah. Um, so obviously you're really good at networking. Um, what tips can you give uh, to our audience on how to network? Because you talked about, you know, jumping back and, and connecting with some people that you worked on other yeah. projects. And, you know, it just seems like you have a very strong network that you cultivate. Um, yeah, yeah, just love any tips. Yeah, I mean, um, one thing I always, like, keep in mind is just, like, when you meet somebody new, you can't have any assumptions about them. You have to meet them as if you're, like, you've never, like, they, they could be the most important person in the world to you, and you just don't know it. Um, I know, like, if I meet a somebody who's involved with, like, I don't know, like, medical simulation tools with, like, torso or, like, you know, mannequins or something like that, there is some way in some universe where that guy can help me get something that I need. What, and it, it might not be now, it might be in 10 years where I can pull that guy up and say, hey, dude, I loved meeting you at that hotel in Puerto Rico. We had that long conversation, but like now I need a medical simulator or whatever. So definitely number one is don't ever meet somebody and write them off. You have no idea where they're going to be in six months, in two years. You never know. Like I, I still contact people from years ago that you know at the time was they completely irrelevant profession to me, or they were they were into something that was irrelevant to me. But um, I showed interest, and I you know I was like thoroughly communicative with them. So and I didn't write them off. You know anybody, even if they're working at McDonald's, they could seriously be the next biggest hit. You have no idea. That's awesome. So that's definitely the biggest hit. And you know some people when they're meeting somebody don't like. Not, and not only that, but just the the art, the act of meeting somebody. It, there's a lot of weight there. There's a lot of weight meeting somebody in person, talking to them, having a face to face conversation, or even Skype conversation like this. Um, you know, that kind of interaction isn't happening all that much anymore. You know, it's not, it's it's harder now to have those conversations. Yeah. So, definitely value the conversations and people you meet. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right, cool. And the last question is, how did you get to San Diego? <laughs> what what okay. brought you all the way out west? Because yeah. You're in Boston, and now you're in San Diego. Yeah, so while I was in Boston, after I graduated, and even while I was in school, I was, at the time, kind of in the background, I was working for this management company called G-House Management, run by this amazing genius, Tim Lucko, uh, out of Boston. And so it was just four kids, two kids from Berkeley, or maybe it was like five or six. It was a bunch of us, kids from Berkeley, kids from uh, Northeastern University, and we started a management company. And we just essentially managed managed bands, which, you know, means an assortment of things but essentially we were just kind of like you know helping them along their path these amazing bands again like the talent boston was at that time for me was amazing so one of the bands that we worked with uh vending machetes was recording an album and they needed a studio to go to and at the time the bass player knew a studio in san diego and that would give them a really cheap day rate and that was pretty much it it was they knew a guy and they wanted to fly me out uh to san diego to shoot their studio video which was bread and butter for me i do that stuff like every weekend so uh, flew out to San Diego, and I, I meet this guy, Craig Zarcos, from San Diego, who was running the studio. And him and his partner, uh, Clutch, um, who used to be the bass player of the band Something Corporate, uh, before they broke up, uh, they started the studio in, San- in Oceanside. And after a week spending with them just shooting this band, they kind of approached me to, to come work for them full-time in the studio. Because they were, and I'd realized this too, is that all these bands are hiring videographers to come in to shoot in these recording studios and you know there's not there there there's a way to make money there if the studio had just hired the videographer they could offer that as a service on top of the recording which would have been genius and so i saw i totally aligned with what they were seeing and 
they said, hey, well, if you want to move out, we'll, we'll house you. We'll make sure that you're, essentially that what they offered me was, if you move out here, we'll make sure you have an income and we'll make sure you don't die. Like you'll, you'll have a place to stay and you'll have food, you know, don't worry about it. So I couldn't really argue with that. And at the time I was like itching to get out to California because that's, you know, I mean, it's so beautiful yeah. here and that's where the music industry is and that's where the film industry is. So it's, you know, natural that that's actually where I should be. Awesome. So they offered me a job and I, I flew out six months later and started building a, uh, a company with them that utilized the studio space and utilized video. And from there it was uh, kind of a, that was a rough time because uh, studio, the studio industry for the or the music industry for studio space, studio time just essentially collapsed. Like now, you can record Pro Tools on your MacBook at home with you know two microphones and get a pretty good sound uh, that you would never have been able to get ten years ago. So the democratization of recording technologies. Uh, with the music industry failing at selling music, essentially closed down the studio that I was working in. Um, so at the time, uh, uh, and this kind of takes us into kind of where we are now, um, after the recording studio kind of collapsed, I was kind of like just looking for something to do. At the time, I was doing AV install work, and I got a call from Nadim Mazen, my old mentor, who I had left behind in Boston. And me and him, for years, we worked together on many different projects. Um, and then after I moved to Bo- off to San Diego, it was a couple of months before we reconnected and uh, he was telling me about his stuff, but he called me with uh, another tour. He was like, hey, Alexis Sohanian from reddit.com uh, is a good friend of mine and he wants to do a bus tour around America talking about internet freedom and uh, essentially a lot of the anti-CISPA and uh, all the anti-internet legislation that's been happening over the last five years, he wanted to campaign against it. Alexis Sohanian is the founder of reddit.com, which is one of the 50th biggest websites in the world and gets over 36 million views a day. And so I couldn't say no to that at the time. I didn't have any work going on. So, you know, the tech industry was, is a huge inspiration in my life. I've always followed the tech news and stuff ever since uh, Engadget, the early days of Engadget and with AOL. So, um, so yeah, so he offered me this tour and that was kind of like, yeah, I'm totally ready to get back into it. And that was the only exciting thing going on in my life. So I said, absolutely, I'll do it. I'll do it free. Just let me know where I need to be. So uh, in Octo- for the month of October in 2012, I believe, I was on tour with Reddit.com with uh, BuzzFeed. Uh, the Verge was there, ton- Newsweek, Adweek, tons of uh, exposure and meeting a lot of people who were really, really involved in, the, in publications, like really great online publications as well as Reddit. So that was a great learning experience, and I got to work with Nadim again, who gave me a, another round of life, life lessons on the road because that was just an insane documentary. So we shot a 30-minute th- documentary about internet freedom, talking to uh, people from all over the country about how the internet affects their lives. And, and that documentary wasn't about Facebook or Twitter. It was about um, like farms in Kansas City that utilize the internet to sell their product, and without them, they wouldn't be able to run their farm. Or um, like a company in uh, Iowa called Huddle that specializes in recording high school football games and making highlight reels out of all the high school football games going on in their area. Huddle now is a multi-million dollar industry and, and, and high school football games is a great, it's such a small niche that you would never think the internet would ever affect. However, a company has found its way and they, they employ 150 people in Iowa. You know, and it's kind of it's amazing. It's like, wow, the internet is actually creating millions of jobs around the world. So any legislation that's going to touch it has to be pristine, you know, or maybe no legislation touches it. So that I, I learned a lot on that tour, and thankfully Nadim kind of brought me up. That's great. So, cool. So, yeah. These are great stories, um, but we're going to have to take a quick break. Cool. So everyone just hang tight, and we'll be back with the lightning round. 
Hey, Breakthrough Cocktailers. Let's face it, staying competitive in this fast-paced world requires you to always be learning. However, taking in-person classes can be time-consuming and costly. Luckily for you, there's Udemy. Udemy is an online education marketplace that has thousands of courses from world-class educators. They have courses that will teach you how to program a WordPress site to classes on improving your happiness. Classes are inexpensive, and more importantly, you can take them on your own time. If you're interested in learning more, go to BreakthroughCocktail.com slash Udemy, that's U-D-E-M-Y, to see a few of our favorite classes. Also, since you're a listener of the Breakthrough Cocktail podcast, from now through September 30th, 2014, if you use the code BREAKTHROUGH-65 at checkout, you will get 65% off your order. Now, act now, and good luck on leveling up your life. To kick off the launch of the Breakthrough Cocktail podcast, we are throwing a contest. I'm giving away some of my favorite books that will help you level up your life. Also, one lucky winner will get a chance to join me at an exclusive Mastermind event here in San Diego in December 2014. To learn more and to enter, go to www.breakthroughcocktail.com slash launch dash contest. Good luck. All right, and we're back. I'm here with Ricky Gonzalez, and we're getting ready to jump into the lightning round. Ricky, are you ready? I think so. All right. Uh, so when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a air fighter pilot. I wanted. I loved like the F-15s. I went to. Air, I grew up in a little bit in Florida, so I loved the air shows. So I wanted to be like the Blue Angels. That was me. Nice. I had the, the jacket with the patches and stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I love the Blue Angels. Yeah. Cool. Of course. Um, next question is. Uh, were there any sort of failures that you had to get over um, growing up um, or as a young adult? Yeah, um, let's see. Probably, like, well, there's a small one, the not getting the Apple job. Like, even to this day, pisses me off and, like, <laughs> bums me out. But if I hadn't, if I had got that job, I, it, none of this would happen. So thankful for that. But um, a, a recent failure that, like, definitely gets me and I think about every day is, like, I... Um, entered in contracts with making this animated music video for a band that I've worshipped since I was like a child and um, it I, it just didn't come together it, we, we ended up with a product that just wasn't the best and um, even though the product was finished and it was very polished and it looked great um, it just wasn't what we set out to make so we I, I had to understand that even though it might serve the purpose and it might do just fine it's just not what is the end. It's not what was the dream, so it can't get released. So there's things that in your life where you might work 150 hours on it, and you know you might just end up not liking it, and you gotta kind of gotta, I don't know, <laughs> just gotta let it go. Let it go. You know, just letting it think, letting things go. That's that's hard though. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. All right. So are you a morning person or a night person? Uh, love the morning. Hate waking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally hear you. Yeah. Um, so speaking of waking up, uh, do you have any morning rituals or anything that you partake in in the morning? Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, uh, I think if I don't have uh, coffee in one hand and a cigarette in the other hand, like my morning is unfulfilled, yeah. gotcha. which is unfortunate. I hate smoking. Don't smoke. It's awful. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you have your you have your rituals that it, it keeps you, yeah. it keeps you, you got going. your rituals. Got to do it. Cool. Um, what are three things that you take with you anywhere that you go? Uh, well, the obvious cell phone, wallet, keys. Um, oh, man. 
if I'm leaving the area, if I'm leaving like California or something, actually, I'm so simple, dude. Just cell phone wallet keys. Those That's are cool. things That's I it. have to have with me, and if yeah. I don't, I'm freaking out. Well, you have a you have a computer in your pocket. <laughs> exactly. What more could you need, honestly? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Are there any quotes or affirmations that you live your life by? Um. Let's see. The all right. A hunt. Uh, it's not really a quote, but a hundred percent. I live by a hundred percent. Getting something done, a hundred percent. And okay. that's if you say you're going to do something, you do it a hundred percent. Because gotcha. if you're if you're going to waste your time anyways, then you might as well make it the absolute best. Cool. Um, that's definitely something that's like in the back of my mind when I'm like ready to quit on an edit or just half-ass it. Might as well do it. I'm already sitting here, you know. Yep. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. The next one is. If there was a soundtrack to your life, what three songs would be on there? Oh, all right. So one would probably be Elliot Smith, Everything Means Nothing to Me, that song. And it's not because the lyrics are super depressing. It's just everything in that song is so beautiful and it sounds way happier. It sounds super happy, but there's a lot of thought in it that goes a lot deeper and darker. Um, Number two would have to be... Uh, and a really metal song, Opeth, Blackwater Park. That song is it's like 10 minutes long and it's like an epic and it's like there's a journey and it's intense. Really great. Um, and then last but not least, uh, probably Juicy by Biggie, Notorious oh. B.I.G. That yes. song Juicy is just classic and like anytime it's on, it's the windows are down yep. and the sunroof is down and you're just cranking and that's, that's life, <laughs> I feel cool. like. All right, two That's more questions, mm-hmm. and uh, then I'll let you go. It's Friday, 7 p.m. What are you doing? Friday, 7 p.m., I'm almost always uh, at home with the girlfriend, cooking something, drinking white wine like a woman, and prepping to watch a Netflix or HBO exclusive title, usually one of the two. Awesome. That's that's like almost always 7 p.m. I'm like at home trying to avoid people in any regard. I'm rare. I rarely like hit the nightclub or whatever, but I'll go to like a, a dive bar if that's if that's what's happening. It's all good. Yeah. All right. And last question is, if you can give our audience one tip, one easy thing that they can do right now that will help them find their passion and live an awesome life, what would that be? Um... It would be the next person that asks you to do something, like go out, do an activity, go do something random that doesn't sound interesting to you at all, say yes to it, for sure. And then then after that, reflect on what would have happened if you had said no, and then just be so thankful that you said yes. Cool. For sure. Awesome. Well, Ricky, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been a pleasure, and I know the audience is loving this. They're eating all this up. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Yeah. And then everyone, every the links and all the things that Ricky mentioned are going to be in the show notes. So make sure you check out the website. Uh, we'll, we'll have links to everything there. And until next time, stay awesome. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome.